We have the one and only Alan Danziger of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre joining me here on the show here today for Sports and Hip Hop with DJ Mad Max, the horror show editions for October in the legendary Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1974, the Toby Hooper classic who played the character of Jerry. Alan, how's it going? Welcome to the show. How's your day going? How's life? Having the time of my life. What do I call you? DJ Max, Mad Max? What do you, you go call You by? call me Mad Max. That's fine. Mad Max. Okay, sir. You got it. Oh, yeah. But how's your day going, man? How how are you enjoying the, the beginning of fall, really, here? Loving it. Loving it. Every day above ground at this age is a good day, Max. It is. <laughs> you got that right. You have any upcoming conventions at all, especially now that the yeah, horse season yeah, is upon us? Yeah. I got a lot going on, actually. Um, in fact, October is going to be a busy month in that I'm, I'm booked to do signings at a haunted house, at a, at a country club. At a friend that has like a pumpkin patch, I'm gonna be signing autographs there. And I'm waiting, really, that's kind of new. I'm breaking this here in front of you. We may be going to a, a cast reunion in Manchester, London. Wow, that's big time. November. And that might be the start of, I wouldn't say world domination, but like a world tour, you know, <laughs> of the remaining cast. And I mean, we're a vanishing breed. We're going every day, we're losing. We're losing people, so that's that's kind of exciting. I, I, I'd love to see it happen. Congratulations on that, and it's amazing just to see how many years that we're talking about this film later. When did you realize that this become a real cult hit because it became a box office success? You didn't see the residuals of it until a little bit later. I know you didn't get a lot of money from it originally because of the whole mafia deal. I heard all about that, but when did you realize that this film really had life all these years later? Well, I mean, I like the real massacre took place it after. took after the film. I've heard you say yeah. that. <laughs> but, um, I mean, when it first came out, you know, I, I watched it on Variety, and it was, it was shooting up the, up the charts like with a bullet. So I said, I can't believe this, but I hit the brass ring. You know what I mean? This is, this is my retirement fund. And then, you know, I think our first, uh, first uh, what, royalty check, I could go to a McDonald's. You know? So <laughs> I said, there's something wrong with this picture. And that's when we found out that the mafia was absconding, you know, you know, with the monies. And you learn, you learn stuff where there's no such thing as net in the movie business. And uh, so, I mean, we all, we all, I guess, got, got shafted, you know, but over the years, they got the movie back and we've gotten some royalty checks. And so I have nothing but great feelings about that movie, and I enjoyed every day, every moment making it. So for me, it was a blast because, I mean, I wasn't an actor, and some of the reviewers are quick to point that out, you know. So, uh, so it was a kick. It was really a kick when uh, when it came out and it and it did well, and and now all these years later, it seems like it's bigger than ever. It is, and you have all these remakes always coming out. I, I wanted to ask you, because I know next year, Gun Media is releasing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre video game. Have you been contacted at all to offer your voice for the game? I think I think Ed Neal is, is, is heading that up right now, and they may use us, you know, down the line, but I, I think it's going to be a great, it's going to be a great game, and I'm looking forward to, you know, to see to see. And I've seen some of the promo stuff, and it's, it should be cool. It looks realistic. I know Kane Hodder's doing the behind the scenes. He's doing the motion graphics for Leatherface. Uh huh. Oh wow. See, I didn't know that. I yeah. didn't know that. <laughs> He's a horror icon of his own right, and rest in peace to Gunnar Hansen. Because I know you guys became really close, especially after the film. I heard a story where he was staying with you at a time. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did not know uh, 
gunner until you know till after the movie. And in fact, mm-hmm. I didn't see him until I get killed. And that's one of the things that we talk about because uh, I remember just sitting on the front porch before I walked into the house, and I had them blindfold me, which was my nod to the Stanislavski method, whatever that is. And so I just got myself really worked up into a, into a, a tizzy. And then I go into the house, I go into the uh, the kitchen, I see the hook, I, you know, the the freezer, and and then I turn around and there comes Gunner, and I just started screaming and I ran out of the I ran out of the house, and that's when Toby yelled cut, and he came over, put his arm around me, said Alan, that was a great great scream, but you got to wait for him to come into the into the frame with with the uh, with the hammer. So we had to do it a few times, and as I told people that they put like two grips behind me. So they pulled down my pants. I mean, they, they pulled me down just as the hammer, you know, was coming down on me. So that's how, that's why that scene worked real well. It's really effective. And when you look at it and when Leatherface comes into that doorway and, and you seeing Leatherface for the t- first time, how eerie was it seeing Gunnar Hansen in that? Oh, completely frightening. frightening. I mean, I was gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, <laughs> and, uh, and after that shot, you know, to to the head, I mean, just 50 years later, I'm still getting headaches. So it, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. Some people have theories that you're still alive, the, that you survived that shot. And that's, there's a, there's a movement now that Jerry lives. So you haven't, <laughs> there's something to that, you know, and maybe that in a little while, there'll be some future uh, comments about that. I, I hope so, and I, I know that you've seen the, the sequels, and you feel as though some of them are over the top. I know you're a fan of the Texas Chainsaw 3D and then the 2003 remake with Jessica Biel. I know you're, you mm-hmm. like those films. Yeah, and even even the new one that I know it's got trashed in a lot of ways. But Oh, the but Netflix the, one, yeah. Yeah, but they used a photo, they used a Polaroid of us from the, from the original. That's right. So I'm, I'm in that, I'm in the 3D, and in the 3D, why I like that is, we got, I got more money for not being in the movie than I got for being in the movie. So there's, you know, go figure. Uh, but before you even got to Texas, you were originally born in the Bronx in the local area right there. So how was your life of growing up in the Bronx? Because I heard you say that you, you took the wrong train down to Texas. <laughs> You've done your research, yeah. I used to take the uh, D train and for some reason I got on the F train and ended up in Austin. But th- what really happened was I was... Um, I went to the uh, Bronx High School of Science. And after that, I went to City College. And I was graduating and I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I was sitting in the library at City College and this fellow that was a classmate came over and I'll always remember his name. It was Roland Chabot. With a name like that, you know he's destined for, for stardom. And he came over and he said, hey, Alan, why so glum? What's, what's up? I said. I don't know what I want to do. I'm graduating and I have no idea what, what I want to do. And I was getting good grades. I was in the psychology and undergraduate. He says, what about the University of Texas? They have a new psychology department and not that difficult to get in. So I said, there it is. But I don't know how to ride a horse. I've never been in a posse, you know, so I didn't know if that would work out for me to go to Texas, but I was accepted. And, and lo and behold, I came down to Austin and it's been the best place that I could. I've, I've spent more of my life here than I did growing up in New York. And, and you've adjusted pretty well, especially getting in the film down there with Toby Hooper. And you, you've been there ever since. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the thing about get, the, getting into Chainsaw before that, I don't know. I was Eggshells. in a movie called Eggshells, right. 
And that was what they called done cinema verite. At the time I was doing graduate work, uh, social work, and I was working with uh, poor folk in, in East Austin and, and putting together some things. And I met a couple that were ostensibly, the movie was about this couple named David and Amy. And it was about this kind of haunted house. It was kind of a psychedelic hippie dippy type of movie. And so they were doing some volunteer work with me. So Toby asked if he could do a scene at my house. The time I was married, my son is in it. I had a parrot. I had everything. <laughs> and uh, I guess they liked, they liked what I did. And they kept adding scenes, you know, for me to, to be in. And then when Eggshells came out, Max, uh, I think about 30 people saw that movie. <laughs> so I didn't hear from them for, I guess, like four years. And then I got a call one day uh, from... Uh, I think it might've been Kim or Toby, I don't remember. And they told me that they had written this, this movie, which was, I think the working title was Leatherface. And so I, I went home, read it, and I was just, I was taken by it. And so I said, I'll, I'll be happy to do it. And that's how I got into change. I didn't audition, you know what I mean? I wasn't in the drama department. So go figure. A kid from the Bronx ending up in the- uh, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. What are you going to say about that? Insane and legendary. And I know that connection came from Sally Richardson because you were living in Robin's place, as you mentioned before. And And, and Sally was living downstairs with a boyfriend, Jim, who did actually some of the did some of the music, I think, for in Chainsaw. And I think also did some stuff in uh, with eggshells. So they were wonderful people and we had a great relationship. So I met Toby and that, you know, I guess this is what led to, you know, led to this. When on set, I know he was kind of distant from the actors on set. He kind of lets you just play your role. He would sometimes come about and like you said, he gave you some pointers there in your shot, putting his arm around you and stuff. What made him such a great director in cinema just from having worked with him on eggshells and Texas Chainsaw? I I think technically he was, he was a master. I mean, just the way, I mean, literally when we shot the movie, honestly, I don't think any of us thought that it was going to turn out to be anything. And back in the 70s, there was a term, if you didn't like something, you said it was a turkey. You know, and, and that's what I thought this movie was going to be. In fact, he called me in to watch uh, Rushes one, one evening, and he said, Alan, what do you think I could do to improve the movie? Oh, turn the, said, seats away from yeah, the, the seats away from the screen. He didn't like that, and that's the last time he called me in you know, to, uh, to give him any advice. But, but he knew what he wanted, and I think the way he set it up, that we really weren't friendly with the with the bad guys. Although Ed Neal, I knew, uh, and I had worked when I had my own company. Uh, I had an entertainment company and Ed would, could do anything. And I had, we did a singing, tele, it was called the Three Ring Service. That's and right. And we did uh, doing singing telegrams and then casino parties and carnivals and stuff like that. Willie Nelson wanted an elephant that I heard. Yeah, for Willie yeah. Nelson, yeah. yeah. And so I got a call, a lady wanted Slim Whitman. <laughs> I said, Slim Whitman? And I called uh, Ed, he said, I can do it. And so I said, you just gotta do f- five minutes of Slim Whitman. He says, I can do it. He ended up doing like an hour and a half. This lady loves Slim Whitman and Ed just, reg- they wouldn't let him go. So we did stuff like that. I mean, I got requests for Willie Nelson. We couldn't do that, we did his, uh, I think a cousin, half Nelson, you know, so that worked out, you know, pretty good. I'm kidding. So 
all kinds of stuff happens. Speaking of Willie Nelson, you were actually an extra on Honeysuckle Rose, and they could see your shirt in the background. Exactly. I went from the apex of starring role in Chainsaw to all the way down, you know, as an extra in Willie Nelson's movie. And then I think I was in a movie called The Tomato That Ate Austin, but I never knew whatever happened to that. So. <laughs> and, and then and I shot a movie actually about nine months ago, and I went to a premiere of it uh, last weekend, and it's called Storage Locker. I was reading about that. Yeah, yeah. So I think they're going to submit that to some, you know, festivals and stuff. And then I did a voiceover as did Ed Neal for a movie that's also we're waiting for it to come out, and it's called Cannibal Comedian. That's right. I wanted to touch on that because yeah, I read yeah, that, that, was that your most recent work. So I don't know anything more about that, but I did that voiceover about two years ago when we had that a cold a cold spell here in Austin. I had no heat. I was living in my kitchen, you know, with no heat and trying to do this, you know, voiceover. So that's the deal there. Uh, do you remember your first day on the set of shooting Texas Chainsaw? What was your first shot? Um, gosh, I, my first day, I think I remember being in the, in the house that um, we were in the old house, not the house where I get killed, but- The, the, the one where you're talking to Sally with the, yeah, about yeah, her yeah, dead grandfather. Right, right. And we met and we were sitting around and talking about, you know, the, the scenes and stuff like that. I mean, they kept writing and changing stuff almost every day, you know? So a lot of times we didn't know what was going to happen until that day. And a lot of the lines I would change and a lot of the funny, funny stuff was actually my, my lines. Quit goofing you know, on was, me. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's who's good. For, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't write that for me. You can't write that. No. No. So, uh, and actually, I was tell people going on set in one of their RVs. I guess you could call it an RV or what. That was like the trailer. And I met John Henry Falk, who was like an idol of mine. I don't know if you know who he is. He's a writer. Yeah, he used to be on the radio all the time. I heard when you were a kid, and he got blackballed on the Barry Gray show. So he was just a phenomenal guy. So just meeting him and listening to the stories that he told was everything, you know, to me and make and making the movie. Speaking of lines being changed and then you read about Toby Hooper originally wanting to get a PG rating for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It originally got an X rating. Do you know what scenes were cut in order for it to generate an R rating by any chance? I, I think it probably had to do with that hook scene, you know, and probably just, the amount of blood. I mean, when if you see the movie, there's very little blood. Very little. You no know, in it. And uh, but you talk about X-rating, which leads me when the movie came out. Oh, it was I, in a porno. Yeah, my parents ended up seeing it in, in a in a porno theater, which the double feature and the second feature was Debbie does dialysis. <laughs> so, uh, that, and then when uh, they got home, they ended up calling me to make sure I was I was still alive. You know. So. <laughs> I know this scene changed your life in the fact that I heard when Edwin Neal was doing the hitchhiker scene in the van that it, it taught you a lesson not to pick up any hitchhikers. Oh, but okay. be before then, did you have any strange stories of pitch picking up hitchhikers before? Oh, I, I, and I did, you know, I've had some good experiences, <laughs> but after the uh, situation with Ed, that kind of turned it around for me. I was done. And, uh, and Texas is a little bit crazy too, you know, so I, I, I didn't want to push it. Yeah, no, it just like the, even when uh, Jim C. Dow's character warned you, he said that they, they don't, they don't mind showing you when you're going into these, these folks' houses. So that's basically right. a true story right there. 
And then that scene at the gas station, actually, I was at the gas station yesterday. I, I met somebody and we had barbecue. And I mean, it's like a, an interesting place. And uh, they've got cabins there and it's a destination. And uh, several months ago, I was a guest of honor uh, for a, a heavy metal Texas Chainsaw wedding. And the, and the bride came down the, the aisle with a with the hammer and the groom had a chainsaw. So, and it, it was great, it was a lot of fun. And, and actually Bill Johnson, who was Leatherface in the second movie, he performed a ceremony. He's <laughs> a main minister and he has a great voice. So that happened some, some months ago. But, uh, but the, 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 the scene about the gas station when we pull in and he comes out to tell us that he's got no gas, Oh, with the soapy water, the windshield yeah, wipers. Yeah, you know, hit the windshield wiper, and it just splashed all the soapy water on him. So he was trying to deliver his lines while this thing is, you know, coming down his face. And we were gone. Bill Vale and myself, we were done. And Toby got really upset <laughs> with us and ended up walking off the set. And Kim Henkel, you know, actually finished the uh, finished that scene. And you're still close with Kim, I heard about. But do you remember what Toby Hooper told you in which he was mad that day? Do you remember the words or just... No, no, just I mean, anger? it's something that people repeat that, that he thought I was angry. It's, I never, I never had that. I think wow. that's, a, that's a, you know, mis, misunderstanding that he would say that. I never was upset. You know, like I said, it was a lot of fun. No, I definitely. You could tell, especially with the shootings and, and the shot of this film and just the stories that you hear about it. And it's... It's oh, legendary. Yeah, yeah, Max. I mean, even in the van, you know, it's like 100, 110 degrees. Plus, he's got there with a cigar. They got people there with lights. There's no AC. It was brutal. It was brutal. And the, and every um, couple of scenes, the girls would get out and go into the into the makeup trailer. You know, get their hair done and whatnot. And I'm watching this. It, you uh, snuck in there, actually. Didn't you? I snuck in, and they ran right over to me and said, "There's nothing we could do for you, Alan." <laughs> get out of here. So that's my my uh, uh, interaction with the with the people. At, at least you weren't trapped in that house because I heard that there was that was that twenty four hour, twenty five, twenty six hour work day where they worked twenty five hours straight or something like that. Works twenty six. It's thirty two hours. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, if you figure that Leatherface, he was wearing clothes for like six weeks. It got pretty rank. Just that. Then the food rotting. I mean, it was a nightmare. It was truly a nightmare. Uh, and poor Sally, rest her soul. I mean, she, they put her through. They put her through the the ringer, and she just it was amazing. I mean, she she was done after that movie was over. It took a while, I think, for her to recuperate. Yeah, I, I know she had to come back for reshoots at the end as well. Yeah. Reshoot some scenes. Yeah. So at the end, when I've heard her say in documentaries that when she's really laughing and going hysterical in yeah. the truck scene at the end, <laughs> that was really what she was going through and, and you did mention that and so after the movie uh gunner and i we did become friends and he stayed with me uh before he left and moved to maine and he just was a wonderful guy great sense of humor super bright and uh it was nothing like the character no <laughs> and i guess because he was so bright he he's able to convey that you know where people feel a sense of sympathy for him and now there's people saying he was in the rights to do what he did because it was a home invasion. <laughs> so I heard that. People? You know, we're the ones that started all this. <laughs> I have heard that point of view before. Yeah, yeah. Well, Bob Burns, he really made the set come alive. Rest in peace to him. He would go on to do The Hills of Eyes and 
even the howling and he made those sets come alive as well integral part of the uh of that movie he was he was brilliant and he actually worked for me uh some years ago and uh it, it was just he was a genius in terms of what he did and then i think it was a couple of years later uh, there was a showing in marble falls that he asked me to be a guest of honor and it was on a rainy night and i i was doing a camp for underprivileged kids and i still i said i'll come out there and because it was raining when i got to the location it was going to be an outdoor showing there was nobody there and so i said what what happened and they said they moved it to a theater in marble falls i got there that they were hanging from the rafters and the place was packed so that's when i really got a sense of this movie there's something about this movie and i've had people come up at the conventions and say it changed their life i said uh oh <laughs> you need to get a life but actually <laughs> Uh, when I went to my first convention, I thought I'd be meeting mainly serial killers, you know, wannabes. And it turned out these were the nicest folks you could ever want. They just loved this genre. And they saw me as fresh meat <laughs> at, uh, at, at my first convention. But literally, I, I love the fans and they love the movie. And it's it's a privilege. It's a privilege to be, to be part of this. Uh, I, I don't know what you call it. You know, it just, it's like almost- Iconic piece of cinema. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely up there. And even you have iconic directors in, in its own right that recognize the film. Martin Scorsese, William Friedkin, who did The French Connection, The Exorcist, have spoken highly about the film. Have you met any celebrities at any conventions or just throughout your time that came up to you about this film? Um, I met uh, Malcolm McDowell. Okay, yeah, they played the Dr. Loomis. I read the uh, dictionary and I'd be, I'd be enthralled. <laughs> And then, what's his name, the guy that's The Hills Have Eyes? Oh, Michael Berryman. Yeah, I was at a hotel uh, at a convention with him. I think it was Cocoa Beach, or, or I forget where it was, but it was, I think, in Florida. And he was getting ready to leave, and I just introduced myself. And he said, I know who you are. He was the nicest guy. So, yeah, I mean, I've met some, some interesting people. Did this film, because I know, I know for a while that you kind of ran away from it a little bit, then you accepted it eventually, that I really was a part of Texas Chainsaw and, and just admitted it to friends and people around you. Did it give you a newfound appreciation for the horror genre? Yeah, I mean, it's true for a while because I was doing social work. I didn't really want to be connected no. <laughs> with, this, with this movie. And uh, But I remember um, there's a festival called the Pecan Street Festival here in Austin. And I was, I'm like a carny, you know, where we do, you know, different carnival rides. And I was, they built a box for me, you know, air conditioner, I'm selling tickets. And some young kid came up to me and said, are you, are you Jerry from the Texas Chainsaw? And I said, oh my God. I said, yes, I am. And do me a favor, get your GED so you don't end up in a box like me, you know, <laughs> a carny. But uh, no, I've embraced it since then because it's 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 something else, you know. It's, it, it, it's up there, and it's going to keep going on and on and on. As far as the horror genre goes, what was your introduction as a young kid watching films? Do you remember your first horror movie that you ever saw? Yeah, I think it was Abbott and Costello. Okay, Meet me Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those scared the hell out of me. <laughs> you know, so in fact, somebody asked me about my ten the scariest movies, and that's. I think having to meet the Wolfman, uh, Frankenstein, you know, those are my friends. Psycho was pretty, pretty scary for me, but I'm not really a horror 
you know, buff, you know, so. But yeah. I, I've watched several of the Chainsaw movies. And like I say, I watched the Netflix and I met the fellow that did a really nice guy, David Blue Garcia. And uh, who knows? I mean, it's not it's not done yet. I mean, it's there's still more to come. No, there, there is more to come. And I, I really think that I wish Toby Hooper didn't go the route of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 that he did because I, I really want a true direct sequel to the first one. What happens at the end? Because it just ends with Gunner dancing in the street with the chainsaw. Right, right. right. And that was, I think Gunner had lived that. I mean, he was just, he was so done with this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so started swinging. I think he was swinging for, God, for Toby. Yeah, so, <laughs> he was. Yeah, I heard it, it yeah. almost hit the camera. Right. Yeah. But, Toby, but Toby, overall, he was very nice to me. I have nothing, you know, but good good things to say about Toby. Because I guess I knew him in a different way. And he was he was, he was kind to me. Didn't give a lot of direction. Except I think he helped me with the, uh, the astrological stuff. You know, read Sally. She's a Sagittarius. I didn't know a Sagittarius from, from a vegetarian. Yeah. I didn't know that stuff. So he, he helped me with that. But he knew what he wanted to get. And that's why he kept us separate. So we didn't mingle. You know, I didn't know Jim C. Dow. I didn't, I didn't mingle with Gunner or with, it, you know, with even Ed for that matter until, until after the movie. Yeah, no, it, it, it became a, a huge hit. And it was even banned because the BBFC, they banned it. It was 23 years that it was banned. Yeah, I think it was banned in Europe, you know. Yeah. And, and we heard that people went screaming out of the theater you know, throwing up and whatnot. And uh, and I tell the story that when it came out, I went to just see the coming attraction and I ran out of the theater. <laughs> and then I made the mistake of taking my son just to see his dad. He was like five at the time, just to see his dad. And, and that's almost 50 years ago. He's still in weekly therapy. So it's not been an easy, an easy road. Uh, no, but it, it's going on. It has many lives here it's going to keep to continue on going on in the future here and, and when you really look at it texas chainsaw massacre is right up there in, in the trinity of horror films that were considered taboo along with the exorcist and the last house on the left when you hear about controversial horror films those three are those are the three that are always mentioned you know we're trying to do some stuff and i don't know if you you knew uh, uh july 23rd i celebrated my 80th birthday oh wow happy belated thanks yeah. <laughs> and i had it and Kingsland, and, and where the house you know, that we shot the movie is. And I called the people that are over over the bar area, a name of Brad and, uh, and Brenda. And, yeah, and Brenda Jones. And uh, I asked them if I could bring out, I, ha I got a tribute van. I don't know if you know this. No, wow. I found a van. I was on one of the Chainsaw fan sites, and I saw a van that looked just like the van that I drove in the movie. And it turned out to be the same van, only a couple of years newer. And it was it was in South Dakota. And the fellow that owned it, his name is Scott, it's still named, his name is still Scott Key. And it turned out he's the great, great nephew of Francis Scott Key, who wrote the Star Spangled Banner. Wow. So I asked if he still had the van, thinking he didn't. He said, I do. And I said, well, I'm the OG. You know what? I, I gotta get it. So we worked the deal and he he got it down here. I took it to my mechanic. He restored it, it painted it, and we I took it up to Frightmare in Dallas, and they were lined up to take photos. So I asked if I could take it over to his, to Kingsland and take photo ops, and donate the monies for the photo ops to the families in Uvalde that were really 
taken by a true tragedy yeah. some months ago. So we raised almost $10,000 in less than three weeks. So uh, while I have you, I think this will be in like October, but I have a website and it's called chainsawjerry.com. And I have all kinds of stuff. I've got action figures, photos, t-shirts, you know, chainsaw pins. You can see that? Light up yeah. And I have uh, Chainsaw Jerry's Killer Beef Jerky. Oh, so it's finally released because I know people are talking yeah, about it. On, that, the, on the blade, it says, we were the meats. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm working on, and I've got my uh, bobblehead, you know, and it was voted uh, best bobblehead in Austin. And it's in the Bobblehead Museum of, uh, Bobblehead Museum in the Wisconsin. And I've got some other things going. So I'm hoping to do a special thing that people can go to the website and whatever they purchase, I'm gonna donate part of the proceeds for the month of October to the families in Uvalde. That's big. Congrats, congratulations on that. Thank you for doing that too, just for yeah, caring no, about those I mean, families. That's big, that's, that means and, a lot. And the title of it is like horror fans for healing. Yeah. And so they're just wonderful people. And uh, this is one way that I can do is this little way at least to try and, and help out. No, it's definitely a help for sure. You know, healing and, you know, there's nothing's ever going to bring those kids back, unfortunately, but right. all you can do to help right. the families is it, it's, that's what we can do. And exactly. It, exactly. a major thank you to, to you on that part. And appreciate it. I, of course, Toby Hooper, I know there were some bitter feelings between some of the cast members, especially when it came down to the money in the end and after the film. Do you know if there was any forgiveness or if everyone eventually came together that you heard stories about after years later with Toby Hooper? I wish I could say yes, but, yeah. I, but he's gone, you know, so, uh, you know, over, I mean, when you put it all together, it, it is what it was, what it was. And, you know, looking back, it makes no sense. It just, we're, we're moving on and it's all, it's all good now. It's all good. No, we're uh, moving on. I, and in my point. Do you remember when the cast fully got back together for the first time? Well, for me, I think probably 2004 was as close to a reunion because uh, Paul was there, Paul Partain. Played Franklin. And that, that's another one. I mean, we all hated Paul during the filming of the movie. I was glad when they killed him, you know. <laughs> and then when I met him at the, he was the nicest guy, you know, but he carried that character all the way through. So uh, Paul was there and and Bill, uh, Bill no, Bill wasn't there for all, but I think Sally and 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 Gunner and Ed and uh, and Bob Burns. So that was as close as a as a true first reunion that I can that I can remember. Then there were others that they went. You know, as it turns out, it's the bad guys that are the heroes. You know that when they go to the convention, they don't want people like me. <laughs> no, they, they want the, the mask guy. They want the ogres. They want yeah. the Leatherface, the hitchhiker, even Grandpa, who's He's in the movie for two minutes. He, <laughs> he's signing. He's doing it. So I'm amazed that people really have taken still to the to the victim. Sally, who's I guess the first final girl in the movie. Me, you know, is a wise wiseacre, you know. <laughs> and uh, so it's it's rare that you see that that it's the the victims get the uh, you know get as close to as much as the uh, the bad people in the movie. It's one Gunner. of the... they were lined up for Gunner, and now they're lined up for for Ed, the hitchhiker. Yeah, 
No, it, it's it's amazing and just just the, everything that everyone put into this film from all the way the behind the scenes of the cast and crew. You could tell it, it's one of the most amazing looking pieces of art when you look at the film especially from the opening and then you, when you're walking towards the house with the sun and then and towards that, the ending that, with the moonshot yeah. it's beautiful daniel pearl i mean the guy was it's just there's some brilliance there if you watch how beautifully that movie was shot considering the budget was was virtually nothing you know in today's in today's uh you know framework or whatever what it costs to put a movie on and uh it was something i was going to mention I just lost the train of thought of, of you know about it. Maybe when you talk about it, uh, it'll come to me. No, but the, just the way that the, the film was shot, and, and you can really feel it too. You feel as though when you're watching, you could be sitting at home in the AC, and you just feel the heat coming out of the screen. Right. And and that's just it's almost like a documentary style. So it's it's so it's believable. None of us, nobody knew us. We weren't. It wasn't like Leonardo DiCaprio in the, in the, in the role of, of uh, Jerry, you know. So <laughs> it was believable that this could happen because it's Texas, you know. No, it, it definitely is. You could tell that just from watching the film. It feels like a documentary. I know you're still looking to retrieve your shirt because you bought it at an Indian boutique, I heard. Very good, yeah. And and I don't know what possessed me, but Ron Bozeman said, Alan, we're doing a long shot. And you're not even in it. Can I borrow your shirt? And I said yes. And I never got it back. And uh, and actually, a fellow by the name of a, a super fan by the name of David Munoz, who's a super collector, and he's been researching for years, and he found material that's similar to what I wore in the move in in the original. And so I do have a shirt for some of the events that I do. I'll, I wear the shirt. I think I wore the shirt at at my 80th birthday. I don't even know if people knew that, but uh, it's 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 too bad because people said we would have paid big bucks, you know, for that shirt. Maybe we'd gone into the Smithsonian. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, probably not. But uh, anyway, but the fans have been great, you know. In fact, when we redid the uh, restored the van, a fan came up with the right color for the van, and so I had it repainted. So it's as close as possible. And we found a way to put the stain on, on the van. So oh, yeah, from Ed Neal. If, if you go to my website, I think you'll see pictures or on Facebook, there's some pictures of, of the van from the, from the 80th birthday, from, or from actually from Frightmare 2. You, you can see photos. And that was, that was huge. I mean, I, I'd never been to Frightmare. And it was like a murderer's row, you know, in that, you know, I was there, Terry was there, Bill Vale was there. Ed was there, or just everybody, and even Kim Hinkle, who who wrote the movie, and and the, it was people were lined up. It was standing room only at the question and answer that we did there. So, go figure, go figure. <laughs> uh, amazing. When we look at the film, we hear that it's it's based on the events of Ed Gein, and there's so many aspects in which we can consider this the scariest movie of all time, and what really makes it gives you that creepy aesthetic to you when you look at it from your point of view what makes it so scary when you look at it? is it the fact that it, there are people like this in this in this world such as ed gein and that we these could be your neighbors in some place of the world where you have cannibals what aspect of it do you think is the scary what's happening today i mean now you've got kids that are going going in with ar-15s and blow and killing multitudes of people so yeah i mean it's a sad situation that we're more divided than ever so no, it's almost like nothing is shocking no. anymore. 
but the graininess, I think the opening scroll with John Larroquette, you know, and I do I mean, that just set that whole, that whole tone that, uh-oh, and the sounds, I mean, there's no real score. It's these crazy, you know, industrial sounds. Yeah, the air, like when yeah. it opens, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's like, a, it's like chalk on a chalkboard, you know what I mean? <laughs> terrible, terrible. No, but the, you mentioned before bringing your son to the premiere and, and you seeing it for the first time. It, on average, you try to watch it at least once a year. I'm starting to like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it. I mean, I've seen it in different. I was in, in Pennsylvania at an outdoor showing. So I watched myself get killed in an outdoor showing. And what's going on here? So, uh, yeah, but like I say, it's the fans that make it worthwhile. I, I'll see it so many times with the fans just to see their reaction. In fact, when we when we did Frightmare, I was told the next day, a Sunday, that I got a standing ovation when I got killed. <laughs> I didn't know exactly how to take it. No, you, you like, think that would, that would be for Franklin, not you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but uh, it's amazing. And now, like I say, we're coming into our 50th anniversary. So I'm hoping we'll get to go, because like I say, we're a vanishing breed. I mean, people are dying, Max, that never died before. No, it's true. So, so it's not, it's not, it's not easy. No, but you're right, and that's why it was so important for me to have you on my show because I'm trying to get back to the cast and crew of this iconic film, and especially introducing it to my younger generation because I feel as though I come from a generation where the people don't really care about what came before them; they only care about living in the now and the future. And I'm someone that's always appreciated what has came before me, especially in entertainment oh, and cinema. True. I mean, I, I have kids that are eight years old that have seen this movie. I've got two grandsons that are 15 and 19 and her mother won't let them see it yet. <laughs> it's a lot of, it's a lot different, you know? No, it is. And it, it's one of the greatest of all time. It's in my top five for sure. But when it goes down, it's, it's definitely in the top five scariest horror movies of all time. So when when you do your show, are you going to show clips from the movie, or what? How does that? How will that work? Or you just? I'm going to promote it on social media, and I'll go with the trailer and certain scenes, and I'll drop and the interview. You know, It'll play live. I can I can I can tell our my fans. Yeah. You know, that they can tune in and see what what transpired, and anything you need to cut out that's doesn't fit, you're welcome <laughs> to do whatever you got to do. No, no, it's been perfect all the way through. There's no no editing at all. You've been perfect. No Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Alan, is there anything else you would love to let the audience know here that we didn't cover? Again, you know, if they have a chance to go to the website, chainsawjerry.com, and, and again, if they purchase a photo or whatnot, a, a part of the proceeds are going to go to the families in Uvalde for the whole month of October. So I'm, I'm wanting to do that, and I'm going to make it happen. That's big. Thank you for that again. And I'm going to let you know the date as soon as possible, too. It's going to be within the the last two weeks of October. I'm going to air this because I'm trying to get so many people. I'm trying to get all my schedule worked out with my horror shows. And I'll let you know as soon as it drops and airs live. And it's been actually a, a, a pleasure talking with you, and especially a Yankee fan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just, I just saw on, on, the, on TV yesterday where Aaron Judge oh, hit, hit the 60th home run. Unbelievable. There's a guy. He's unbelievable. He really is. You're Yankee fans being from the Bronx, oh, yeah. though. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you, 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 you grow up in the Bronx, it's, you have to be. And I just, I still live it, you know. And, I, and when they're playing and they show it here in Austin on, 
I got. I still gotta watch the. I gotta watch the, the game. How about y'all? Any other sports that you're a fan of at all? Well, sadly, I'm a I'm a Giants fan. You're also. Gi- <laughs> but they, but they've started off okay. You know, no, they're yeah, they're two and all. Yeah, but I think they played Dallas, so I don't know. They haven't had good luck with Dallas, but it may be different this year. So. Yeah. No. And maybe it'll and be the. You know, I mean, so all I have to do, all I have to hold on to, Max, is is the Yankees right now. Yeah. <laughs> my Giants. They're not that great, and the Knicks aren't that great. No, know. I'm a Knicks fan too, so. Yeah, but I go back to the early, you know early days years ago. But I used to just watch. I used to just watch them on TV and stuff like that. They kept me company. Yeah. Walt Frazier years when they were actually winning yeah. championship. Well, yeah, uh, uh, Glide the, the Glide. Yeah, yeah. Harry Gallatin, and actually, I I was I think about eight years old, and my parents eight or nine they we went up to the Catskills to a hotel and and I saw Will Chamberlain wow and he was a he was a a, a bellhop seven foot <laughs> bellhop you know at, at Kutcher's Country Club years ago so I, I remember that so that's you know a brush with greatness you know was seeing him it scored 100 great. points in a game mm-hmm. yeah one of one of the all-time greats but right. Alan, I want to thank you again for coming on the show here today. Anytime that you have something to promote and you want to come back on, you're always welcome. Great. And, and I might I might just do that. And like I say, we've got all kinds of stuff, you know. Uh... Oh, hold on. I, I think it couldn't show because of the background. Oh, you can't, yeah. So, oh, there we go. It's a chainsaw. Yeah, chainsaw. And, uh, and then I've got like a... a uh, just made these are ster- sterling silver uh, chainsaw pins with my signature on. Wow! So we got all kinds, got all of, kinds of memorabilia. Yeah, memorabilia that people can purchase, and uh, I hope that they do. And like I say, I want to donate part of the proceeds for the whole month of October uh, to the families in Uvalde. Yeah. Thank you for and that thank again. You so much, Max, for having me. It's been great. I, I appreciate the time and had a good time with you. Thank you, Alan. I appreciate it. And let them know where they can follow you on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, stuff like that. Yeah, I am on Facebook. I get an Instagram and uh, I got a, a media guy that's helping me with and and CJ Robles, who's been here and he's been terrific. Shout out to CJ. <laughs> yeah. And then I've got this face lamp, which is part of the Ed Gein and uh, Jeffrey Dahmer collection. Oh. <laughs> I put it right here so you can see it. Oh, yeah, there you go. There we go. Yeah, now we can see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we got all kinds of fun stuff and more stuff that I'm working on uh, actually even now. So I'll, I'll let you know when, when we're ready. Of course, Alan, thank you again and enjoy the rest of your day and take care and stay safe. And I'll it, be sending you the date shortly. Thanks so much. Take yeah. care. Man. See you, Alan. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.